0: Hello everybody,
1: welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast. We watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. Oh God. How you doing, Bob? Okay. Well, oh, thank God. I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine, man. I thought you were gonna keep up with a bit that you haven't done in a couple episodes, and I was gonna get really angry. At That's the start not true. Of the I podcast. do that bit at the beginning of every episode. Do you? hmm Most of the time I close my eyes when I do the intro. I know. That's why you never tell. Yeah. Anyway. How 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 are you? How you been, Ben? That that's 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 your thing. Yeah yeah how, uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah yeah, okay. Better that's than you. <laughs> <laughs> you. Maybe. <can> tell. <laughs> I mean you know look, I've been very busy lately. I'm moving soon, so I haven't been I've been. Packing you mean you a have been very busy? Yeah okay. That's why I said. I think you said I haven't been very. I busy. I said I I've been very busy. Oh well. Because I'm moving soon, and I had to get a car, and I've been, like, you know, paying these people so I could move. It's been a whole thing. Paying, so, look, paying them so I can move is, like, it was a whole debacle, I swear to God. Bob doesn't have a real bank account. <laughs> no, I have a real <laughs> bank account. It exists. I get paid through it. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, like, you know, it was a whole thing. Okay, well, um, do you have any news you'd like to share this week? Fuck. I'm going to take that as a no. Do you? I think so. I, there's definitely something I wanted to talk about on this episode, but I forgot. Uh, you sent me a thing about the Friday the 13th TV show. Oh, I did send you that, yeah. I didn't read it because I d- don't want to think spoiled. So I don't know much about it. I just knew it was in production. Yeah. Um, it's called, uh, let me check this link again. It's called Crystal Lake. Yeah, it's A24, right? It's A24, and it's from the creator of Can- of Hannibal. It says on the poster. Mm. Now my question is, which creator of Hannibal? I don't know. I literally like, have no idea. One of the people who's like responsible for Hannibal is also responsible for like the Child's Play series, like the TV show or like the movies, like all of it. Oh, okay. Like it's like one of the main guys. Okay. Well, that would be really sick to see some, him do a Crystal Lake show. Actually, maybe he can bring some continuity continuity to this weird Friday the Thirteenth timeline. Nah. We Those episodes haven't come out yet. You'll see on those episodes, people, things get out of hand really fast. I think they get out of hand just how fast they need to. Uh, I don't think so. I, do, I swear to God, the, the movie that we watched most recently for that might be the worst film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> or maybe so, the most... You're so excited to begin with, too. I don't want to spoil what episode number that is, but we've recorded pretty late into that series at this point. And there's one where I just lost my marbles. It was fun. (sighs) Bob didn't have a fun time. No. I didn't have a fun time. I don't think anyone had a fun time. Okay, no, it's Brian Fuller. Okay. I was wondering if it was like Don Mancini, but it's not. So it's not Tom Holland. No, but uh, Brian Fuller's also responsible for Pushing Daisies, which is a very old show that only had like two seasons, but it was very good. Oh. Way oh. back in the day. That's actually good to know. Someone who has like a pretty good track record when it comes to making a show. Well he also did Hannibal, which is also very good. I've n no, I have I do not I know what Hannibal is, but I've never seen it. Do you know what it is? He eats people. Right. Do you know what he's from? Uh Silence of the Lambs. Okay, good for you. Yeah. He's also done what? Star Trek Discovery. Didn't know that. American Gods. I've heard American Gods is pretty good. Pushing Daisy's really good. I like that one. Okay. The, the, it's it looks really weird though. Admittedly, it's very saturated. Mm. I guess um, it's not as insane as uh, it's not as insane as like a Wes Anderson thing. Mm. But it's got a vibe to it. Okay. Um But the premise is this guy he he can touch dead people and they come back to life. But if he touches them again, they die. Oh no! Well, they they just return to being dead. The issue being is I think if they're like return to life. For more than I think it's a minute, something else dies. Oh no! It it switches. That sucks. That's actually that's a pretty cool concept. It's it's a really cool concept. He makes pies. That's his job. <laughs> <a> pie man, <laughs> which I think is very funny. But cool TV show it was canceled after like two seasons. Kind of sad. Damn, that sucks. But I mean, it it maybe will be good. I hope it's good. Maybe. I I really really hope it's good because. We haven't finished Viya 13th. Like Those haven't all come out, but also we haven't recorded all of them yet. I like it. It's pretty fun. And I would like to see someone take like Jason and put him into a serialized format like a TV show. Oh, yeah. Jason, at his best, is great. I mean... Oh, man. It's hard to go wrong with him because, like, at his best, he's, like, either... You know, spoilers for the franchise here if you haven't, if you're not familiar with it. But he's either, at his best, a unstoppable, like, supernatural menace, Mm -hmm. or a insane survivalist. Yeah. And no matter what you do there, that's pretty good as, like... As, like, a slasher villain. Yeah. It's pretty great. But that's only when it's done well. When it's done poorly, it's just... Yeah. (laughs) It's not great sometimes. So hopefully the series turns out well, but I'm not sure how much of it will be, like, in the quote-unquote present... And yeah, how I much don't of know. it will be in the past? Because the um the the poster art you sent me has a picture of like what looks to be Jason as a child. Yeah, on the poster. I'm hoping they set it like between maybe between one and two. Well, my guess that would be my preference. My guess here is it will be set in the quote-unquote present with Jason as an adult, and we'll probably have flashbacks to mm. him as a child throughout. 'Cause I'm sure they'll go with a who is this guy? What happened to him kinda mm. kinda thing. Interesting. Or it if it's really about Jason, it'll probably start as a child and then that'll be the first half of the season. Yeah. I, I just think the timeline the time between one and two is such a prime time to explore because there's a lot of space there to play with that's pretty ambiguous. I guess. If I had to if I had to say like what it'll be the closest to, like film wise for the series it'll probably be closest to number 12. Oh, movie 12 cuz that's okay. the that's the remake. The remake. Yeah. Okay. Cuz the remake already had to solve that issue of like where do we start? Yeah, because I don't know, <laughs> you know. Cuz you don't really know much about it, but No. I assume it'll maybe have kind of a start like that and then just more elements of the past worked in cuz it's a TV show and they Oh can, man, I hope we get to see the end of one redone. I don't know. Because that would be really fun. It's kind of hard to do that. It is. And be as good. But, like, I think it'd be fun. With that being said, I think it'll be cool to see maybe Kid Jason. Yeah, no, that would be nice. Just because, like, there's a lot to work with there just for backstory, especially depending on what timeline you're using. Yeah. Because, mm. like, depends on if you're using a Supernatural Jason or a not Supernatural Jason. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because if you're using a Supernatural Jason, there can be a lot of implications that he was always Supernatural. Mm-hmm. So even as a kid, there would be some weird backstory. Yeah, I'd also like to see some characterization of Jason before everything that happens. Like, oh, and his family, and his family, and like what it was like at, for him as a kid—probably bad. Oh, oh, definitely horrible. That's you know, what I what I do think it uh, comes down to though is like the saving grace here for whether I'll be able to stand the kid Jason moments. Because I, I think there's a lot to work with there. If it's done well, if it's mm-hmm. done poorly, it's going to suck. Oh, yeah. But I think the, the, the main thing that's either going to make it or break it for me is how young Jason looks. I don't know yet. Uh, the the art that I'm talking about that you sent me for that yeah. poster very specifically blots out his face. Like, you can kind of tell it's Jason because he's bald. Mm-hmm. But the sun blots out his face. And so, like, depending on how he looks, I think that's going to make the series. Yeah. No, you're. that's fair. I'm hoping they stick with the original, like, and put him at, like, I don't know, 10 to 11? Yeah, well, I think it's more of an issue of, like, Jason's, like, disfigured, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you A, want him to look good. Yeah. From, like, a, oh, I can look at this for a couple series, like, a couple episodes without laughing at it, because it looks really bad. But you also don't necessarily want it to be offensive. No, that's fair. Which is... Kind of a a fine line, mm-hmm. so we'll see what they do. Yeah. Speaking of Jason, mm-hmm. I have to pick category. Yeah. And I think you and the audience both know where I'm going. Is it camp movies.
0: Yeah, Ben, it's camp movies. Are you going back to summer camp?
1: Going back to summer camp, baby. And she's so excited. Ben, <laughs> Ben, Ben was taunting me before the podcast, <laughs> when I was setting up, because he was like, "Are you gonna pick camp movies? Are you excited?" I was like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> We've watched so many Friday the 13th films. We're not done yet. We're getting there. We're really fucking close. We need to finish it. But, you know, we can only record so many times a week before uh, exhaustion really kills us. So I'm kind of over the whole summer camp thing. But you you have to choose summer camp movies. I have to because we have... Because you always do category, category, category. Because at the start of the season, I always want to give the audience a taste of every category. Because that seems like the logical thing to do. I have all three spots in camp movies. Even though I really... I'm going to be honest. I really want to pick space. Like I really, really want to go to space again, but I won't. I'll go to summer camp. Oh, speaking of something else. Sorry to interrupt my picking of the cat, my number, but this is something that I think is funny. We haven't come up with a season title yet, but I had to make a playlist for the season. I did just call it Jason X. That's fair. Because I think that might end up being the title by the end of the season. I think you should go at summer at a space camp. No one can hear you scream. Because so I think that's very funny. That's pretty good. Oh, that's really good. Holy shit! When would you come up with that? I don't know, like, the first episode? You didn't tell me that! I think I mentioned it. No, you said something else completely. Oh. That's a great title for the season. Why do you keep these things for me? You see (laughs) me so often, you can just tell me! (laughs) I forget. Oh my god. Now I gotta go update the playlist. That's an awesome name for (laughs) the season. Holy shit. Anyway, now that that's been resolved... God damn it. Yeah, we're going to summer camp. I have all three spots. What's in spot number one, Ben? In one? Yeah. Alright, let me check. Uh, it is Piranha. Ah, <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, that's exciting. Um, which interestingly enough for you is probably the least summer camp movie on this list. Oh, well In fact, um, you know, I, I wasn't really having a fun time looking for summer camp movies, not gonna lie. <laughs> and a lot of them aren't great. I wonder why. And also a lot of them are exactly the same or Friday the thirteenth. Or sleepaway camp. Yeah. So it was a struggle. And I eventually found, I filled two of the spots. And I was like, shit. <laughs> what am I going to do for this third one? I was like, wait a second. Piranha has a summer camp in it? Look, I trust <laughs> you to fill these categories as well as possible. And I'm going to be honest, Anaconda wasn't a swamp movie. It was but I'm glad we watched movie. it. Piranha? Probably not a summer camp movie, but I'm going to be glad kind we of a it. summer camp. There's a summer camp in it. Yeah. I had to double check. But <laughs> there's a summer camp in it, I swear. <laughs> I, I'm excited to watch Piranha because, what was it, Piranha 3D came out when I was like, I don't know, what was that, like 2013? 2010? I, I think it might be like 2010 or something. But I was young when that came out and I saw it every time I went, that looks crazy. I was like, Let's wa- I want to watch that. So now I get to watch the original. Yeah. Which is exciting for me. I've also heard that this movie's pretty okay. So, it's pretty okay. Yeah, exactly. So I'm holding my breath. Also... It's one of the very few like aquatic movies that I don't think is very scary. You haven't seen it, Bob. I haven't seen it, but the concept of so you know how like the co- the concept of sharks scares me. Sharks scare me con- conceptually. Okay. The ocean scares me conceptually. I know. Piranhas in a river does not scare me conceptually. Okay. See, that's where I don't understand. Why do sharks scare you but not piranhas? Because I have because like real life piranhas wouldn't scare me, right? Yep. Yeah. But movie piranhas, why don't those scare you? I don't know. Because movie piranhas are like tiny movie sharks that swim in a school. It's because they're small and they look they look goofy. Like, I feel like I could just punt one, one of those little fucks. But sharks are big. Right. So the thing is, yeah, you could probably punt a piranha, but there's a hundred piranhas around you. Well, hold on. I didn't think about that. There's more than one piranha in this movie? Did you not think of the... Okay, so piranhas are schooling fish. They live in big schools, and when they they eat something, uh, they go into a feeding frenzy, which means every piranha in the school starts biting and ripping the thing apart. Huh. Do you not know much about piranhas, Bob? my, My knowledge of piranhas goes back to me seeing advertisements for Piranha 3D. Oh, no. It's basically like a bunch of... Now, this is movie piranhas, right? Sure. Real piranhas. Are a little less uh, bloodthirsty than like the movie variety or what Mm -hmm. you'll hear about in literature and stuff. But like their whole thing is they smell blood in the water, and then a hundred or whatever number is in this school of these little fuckers, and they're about, you know, yay big. Yeah. With razor sharp teeth, will tear all the flesh from the bone. Oh. Very rapidly, like in seconds rapidly. So, like, if I threw, let's say, a chicken into a school of piranha, it would be annihilated. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, that makes me a little more scared, but I'm still not nearly as scared as sharks. And I, this might be a situation where I just don't have an explanation for you. Do you want to watch a piranha-feeding frenzy? Absolutely not. You sure? No. No, Ben, <laughs> let's continue the episode. I'll watch it later. Or I'll watch it during this movie. Oh, but it's so cool. <laughs> you say cool, I say I don't want to see that. But maybe you want to get a little freaked out before that. So. No. <laughs> I can't believe you that's so weird. Yeah, don't ask me. I, I can't I, don't, I don't think you really understand what a piranha is. You just explained it to me. I know, but I don't think you conceptually are letting yourself understand. What does that even mean? So have we watched a horror movie where like something gets swarmed by small insects? Small insects? No. Small bat like creatures, yes. Untorn apart. Yeah. That. That's based on, like, a piranha-feeding frenzy. Okay. Kind of thing, yeah. But that, but in the water, where you can't see what's coming to get you. Water water is scary. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll admit water is scary, but, like, it's, I don't know. Does something about piranhas don't hit me like it, sharks hit me? No. I never said your phobia makes sense. <laughs> I never said it did either. All right. Uh, it's a 1978 film. Whoa. It's,
0: wh-
1: this is from the 70s? Yeah. Didn't know that. That's cool. Because well, you're thinking about Piranha 3D. Well, yeah, but I assume Piranha 3D was like a remake of something from like maybe the 90s. Or no, like... it's a shitty remake of a late 70s movie. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. Description. Jaws. But smaller. <laughs>
0: oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's
1: an hour and 34 minutes long. Okay. It's rated R. Nice. IMDb gave it a 5.9 out of 10. Tomato Meter gave it a 71% and an audience score 49%. Why is the audience score so low? But everyone else is pretty okay. Uh, it has one win and one nomination for awards. Uh, notable Actors. Of course, you're probably not going to know none of these. Awesome. Because it's Bob. Bradford Dillman as Paul Grogan. Uh, he played Dr. Lewis Dixon in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. Uh, Heather Menzies-Yurich as Maggie McKeon. Uh, she played Louisa Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Kevin McCarthy as Dr. Robert Hoke. Uh, he played Dr. Miles J. Bunnell in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1956 version. Keenan Wynn as Jack. He played Colonel Bat Guano <laughs> in Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Dick Miller as Buck Gardner. Uh, played Mr. Futterman in Gremlins. The, all of these people have been in really famous movies that I've never seen. I've, I've seen Gremlins, actually. Okay, so it's the guy. I think it's Futterman. He's he's the guy who owns the snowplow and starts talking about how he was in the war and the Gremlins yep. fucked with his plane. Yep, okay. I know that guy. Uh, he's also... I I, I, I I love Dick Miller. He's great. He's kind of like a character actor. Uh, he passed away I think a year or two ago, which was really sad. But... He's also very famous for one of his early films that you'd actually know, which is the original Little Shop of Horrors. Oh! Uh, he's uh, Fouch. You have, have you seen oh, the original? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the original. He's the guy who eats flowers randomly. Okay. Because that's just a gag he would do in real life. <laughs> and that movie was made in like 24 hours, and they were just <laughs> yeah. like, do that! Why not? I'm, it's good. That's really, really funny. Barbara Steele as Dr. Mengers. Uh, she played Princess Asa Vajja and... Katya Vajda in Black Sunday. Belinda Belosky as Betsy. She played Terry Fisher in The Howling. Melody Thomas Scott as Laura Dickinson. Uh, she played Nikki from The Young and the Restless. She was on ba- let me tell you the episodes in a second. She was on there from 1979 to 2023. I think she might still be on there. I'm not sure. It was hard to tell. Oh my god. How many episodes do you think she's done? Well it's just soap more than likely. Yes. It's the young in the rest seventy nine to twenty twenty three I think you're probably gonna highball it probably seven hundred and fifty that was an insane low ball oh an insane low ball what three thousand three hundred and seventy one episodes How do you have uh, that's so i can't I don't understand soaps. <laughs> I don't get it. I could never catch up on one. It's shocking she survived that long in a soap opera. That's true. I'm surprised she hasn't died been replaced by her evil twin yet. Well, it might have happened. I don't know. Maybe. Same Uh, actor. uh, Bruce Gordon as Colonel Waxman. He (laughs) played the Earl of Buckingham and Tower of London. Barry Brown as Trooper. Uh, He played Drew Dixon in Bad Company. Paul Bartell as Dr. Dumont. Uh, He played a congressman in Escape from L.A. And then Richard Deacon as Earl Lyon. He played Mitch's city neighbor in The Birds. As well as Mel Cooley from the Dick Van Dyke show. I said this while you were talking about the actors. A lot of like people in some really famous movies. Oh yeah. That I've like definitely heard of but never seen in this film. So that's pretty nice, honestly. It's exciting for the acting portion of this movie. I mean, that's fair. Speaking of famous people, the director's Joe Dante. Oh, that name's familiar. Mm-hmm. He also directed Gremlins. Ah, that's why it's familiar. Oh, that kind of makes sense in my mind. Well, At he least. directed Gremlins, like, six years after this. Yeah. Well, because I assume... Oh, man, does that mean the piranhas are going to be, like, practical? So, anyways, uh, the writer's Richard Robinson. He wrote one of the movies that almost went on season one, but didn't because it was too close to arachnophobia. Okay. And I thought having a thrill comedy on the board would be a little bit more interesting. Okay. But it's very famously the spider movie with Captain Kirk, Kingdom of the Spiders. Oh, I... Isn't that in black and white? No. Okay, what am I thinking? of It's in black, black and white. I think you're thinking of Tarantula, the one with the giant spider. No, it was something. It might be something else. I actually want to watch Kingdom of the Spiders, and that may seem weird because I don't like spiders. But I was, what was it? I was like looking at a list online of some of the most famous spider movies after we watched all those spider movies, and that was like the best reviewed one was Kingdom of the Spiders. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good, but it it's basically supposed to be just the birds. But, but with spider. William Shatner and spiders? Yeah. And again, it almost went on there. But then I was like, arachnophobia is kind of more well-known, so let's do that one. I mean, arachnophobia was good. I liked that movie. Not the spider part, but it, like it's a well-done movie, and I enjoyed myself. So, Richard Robinson did the story, not the screenplay for this movie. Okay. The screenplay, and this guy also got a story credit, uh, it was from John Sales, uh, and he's also done Lone Star. Budget is estimated at $600,000, so... It's okay, not amazing. No, it's low, but I mean, it's also nineteen seventy eight. As far as box office goes, I don't know. Oh, because okay. I kept getting mixed answers. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> you know, I- I'm sure I could find a very technical answer if I was willing to like Do pay some for math? stuff. Oh well, but my answers were all over the place, and I'll, I'll give you the th- the three different answers I found to how much money this film made: sixteen million. Whoa. $2.9 million oh, Okay. And $321. What? <laughs> that is a vast range of money. Like I said, all over the place. I thought you received $321 million, and I was like, oh, no. $321. No, $321. I don't know what was happening. Uh, I think people just didn't have a lot of statistics on it, and so they compiled what they had. Someone and only had 321 Someone could only <laughs> be like, I only see 321 Assumedly, it did pretty decent because this is a famous movie. Yeah, and it did get a sequel. I'm gonna be honest. My guess is probably the what the two million one, because sixteen seems a bit absurd. I don't know. It might have been sixteen. And three hundred twenty-one dollars is just inaccurate. Probably. I think it's probably sixteen. Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, this film did well enough to get a sequel. Which fair. Eventually, we'll watch the sequel. But there's something about that sequel. There's maybe a person associated with that sequel that is way too famous to be <laughs> associated with that movie. That makes me think this first one might have done pretty well. Oh, okay. But also besides that sequel, there's also like two remakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a a sequel for one of those remakes. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Very specifically, Piranha 3D is a remake mm-hmm. of this movie. And it has a sequel. Piranha 3DD. Like it's in double D's. That yeah, come on. That's what that's why it's named that. Uh, that's absurd. Exactly. That's absurd and upsetting. So is Piranha 3D. Well, that's fair. Any movie that has 3D in the name is absurd. Not true. True. True facts. No. Really? No. Name one film. Jaws 3D. Absurd. Never seen it. Exactly. <laughs> the only 3D, the only film with 3D in the name I've seen is Friday the Thirteenth. Absurd. Part three, but... Well, it's just part three. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> you can tell Bob's opinion on that film from that sound. I mean, look, we talked about it on the episode. I don't hate it. And, like, it's pretty middle of the road, but the 3D stuff just ruins the movie. <laughs> exactly. All right. Country of origin United States. Okay. Tagline. Lost River Lake was a thriving resort until they discovered... Dot, dot, dot. Because it goes right above Piranha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I... The taglines from these older films, are they never hit. They're never good. Sometimes well, they're really good. So, like, a lot of these old taglines were intended as, like, blurbs are on the back of a book. If you don't know what a blurb is, it's the fancy word for that little paragraph at the back of a book or in the, like, on the dust the jacket. cover, yeah. Yeah. But basically what a blurb is is it tells you what the book's about. And a lot of these old taglines were intended to do the same. Because mm-hmm. basically, you probably weren't gonna see this movie like on video, probably for a while, if at all. And so, during the advertisement like scheme, they use posters to get you into theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things we haven't talked about uh, on this show is that, like, especially for horror movies, advertising your movie on like television wasn't a thing until Jaws. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, a lot of these old blurbs were like how you let people know about a film very quickly. So they were basically like, what is this film about? Like this blurb, uh, this tagline tells you, hey, this is a movie about Lost River Lake. Mm -hmm. And then it was a thriving resort community until they found piranhas. Piranhas. Yeah. I think that's why they they don't hit is because they're not like catchy phrases in the same way they are nowadays. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. Because nowadays it's like, I can look up a poster whenever I want the tagline's a part of the advertisement scheme Mm because it's everywhere. Yeah. All right. I think there's only, like, two things to know about this film before we go into it. Okay. um, That are, like, worth knowing. First of all, this film is, if you couldn't tell from my description, obviously inspired by Jaws. Mm -hmm. In fact, it is quite literally Jaws, but piranhas. (laughs) That is the concept. And that really comes from this wave of shark movies Mm -hmm. and shark movie-esque not shark movies that came out after Jaws. Big shark craze about shark exploitation and stuff like that. If you want to know more about that? Go watch that shark exploitation documentary on Shudder. They even mentioned piranha at one point because it's a pretty famous thing in that same category. That was That's like pretty cool. Let's do a Jaws movie, but without sharks. Oh yeah, you mentioned that when you were watching it that they did a whole section on animal movies that aren't that are basically shark movies but with different animals. Yeah, they they all have the same premise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Piranha is probably one of the most famous of those. Yeah. But what's super interesting about Piranha is when the movie was made, the people making it knew they were kind of were really leaning in heavily to the, the shark craze. And you have to remember, this came out in 1978. So this is very, very, very soon after Jaws came yeah, out. Yeah, this came out like right after Jaws. This is probably one of the first of that kind of shark craze right after Jaws. I mean, I can look it up again, but when did Jaws come out? It's in your notes somewhere. I don't remember. Yeah, I have to check my extras for season four. Uh, 1975, so it's only yeah. been three years. Um, so very, very soon. And, you know, most interestingly is that this film also released the same summer as Jaws 2. Oh, man. And when Universal saw some of the adverts for Piranha. Because they are very, very Jaws-esque. <laughs> uh, they almost took out an injunction, like a cease and desist oh. kind of order uh, on the film. Oh no! And it basically would have gone through until I think how it ended up working out is Spielberg saw an early like copy of the film mm-hmm. before it released, and he was like, "Nah, it's pretty good. It's just a lampoon. Don't worry about it, Universal." And Universal's like, "If you say so." Damn. <laughs> And so that's how this film didn't get taken down forever. <laughs> Holy shit, that's crazy. Really skirted under the ward. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have Spielberg to thank for that. Thank you, Spielberg. We'll get to watch Jaws 3D because of you. We're not watching... Oh. Eventually. Piranha 3D? Yeah. You said Jaws 3D. I did say Jaws 3D, my bad. Now, really quick. I'm just going to show you right now. Do you know the Jaws poster? Yeah, the one with the shark coming up underneath the person? Yeah, this one. Yeah, the very classic one, yeah. I'm going to show you the Piranha poster. I guess it can't really be spoilers. I know what the movie is. (laughs) Do you see the similarities there? Yeah, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be really real right now. Any movie about, like, an underwater scary creature could use the exact same format. Except they very specifically blew up the size of the piranha (laughs) to make it look like a shark. Okay, maybe they did do that. They knew what they were doing, which I think leads us into the next thing I want to talk about, is that uh, this is, I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure this is our first uh, New World Pictures film. Oh. Are you familiar with New World Pictures? No, not at all. Okay, so it's a production company, and one of its founders was Roger Corman, who you should know the name of. I do, very vaguely. But you're like, why do I know that name? Yeah, why do Uh, I know that name? (laughs) Uh, he's like a super famous. I don't want to call him a film director. He like he did some directing, but he also did like production stuff. He's done a lot. Um, uh, but he's really famous for making like low budget horror films. What did he work on that we've seen? I don't think he's worked on anything that we've seen. Like I think this is our first Roger Corman film. Okay. On here Our first n- New World. Film okay. Thing we've definitely talked about him we've before. Talked about Roger Corman because among other things, one of his earlier films is. The Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's why we've talked about him. Okay, yeah, uh, the original one. Yeah, he's the guy who was like, "Let me make this in a day." <laughs> uh, he's also done what Attack of the Crab Monster. That's pretty awesome. Which has one of the stupidest looking creatures I've ever seen. It's great. It's so stupid. Okay. And uh, the Dunwich Horror, the nineteen seventy one. That sounds familiar, but I don't know. It's a Lovecraft about it. story. Oh, okay. That would be why. But yeah, lots of low budget stuff. And he was doing a lot of uh low <laughs> low budget kind of aquatic horror movies before Jaws came out, so this was kind of kind of his thing, kind of already par for the course for like after Jaws come out to be like, all right, let's do a Jaws like one. Okay, but yeah, I I think that's all I gotta say about this movie. Okay, so we can go watch it. Okay, I guess we'll uh see you guys in a minute. everybody welcome back we just finished watching piranha it's piranha people in the movie kept saying piranha yeah i don't know why because what's his name said piranha and his assistant said piranha yeah and then uh what was it hoax said piranha yeah and basically yeah. a lot of the people in this movie said piranha like yeah. they pronounced the h which i mean i don't get but whatever which i guess that's fine but then there was that texas state police officer said went <laughs> that guy was good too uh, t- To be honest I, I I wasn't alive in 1978 Yeah me either So maybe people just didn't really know what Piranha were mm-hmm. Before this movie So it wasn't like a common word to know how to pronounce I mean sure And so everyone was like Oh let me look at the script It's pur- Oh there's an H here Piranha <laughs> Instead of Piranha <laughs> Because oh, the God. one guy who got it right was, um, I mean, it was his assistant who said it right after him. So that makes sense. Who was it? It was, uh, Jesus Christ, why am I forgetting his name? Is it the main guy? No, it was uh, Dick Miller said it right. Oh, yeah. The guy who owns uh, the resort, Buck Gardner. Mm-hmm. He said it right. He said Piranha. And then his assistant right after him Oh, uh, what was his name, piranha. Whitney? I don't know. I think they call him Whitney. I'm going to call him Skipper. His name is not Skipper. <laughs> he was dressed like a skipper. I do like Whitney. I think it's really funny. There's a really good moment where he goes... The piranha's eating the guests, sir. <laughs> and I thought it was so fucking good. Bob found that way too funny. Is it not funny? He's running around freaking out because piranhas are in the water. And he's like, people are freaking out. And he's like, the piranhas? What are you talking about, the piranhas? He goes, the piranhas are eating the guests, sir. And he goes, oh, he has to go deal with it. It's great. No, I enjoy him a lot. He's on the phone with like someone being like, there's no piranhas. Yeah. It's just so good. Anyways, I think Bob liked the movie, if you can tell. Yeah, I think it's fun. I like it. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to describe the plot, and then we can we can talk about it. Sure. We can do our stuff, I guess. Y- do you not like this film? I do. I have some issues with it. Okay. You seemed so bummed out the entire movie. No. Okay. In fact, I, I like the back end of this film, I think, the most, but mm. we'll get into that. Okay. Anyways, rough plot here is it starts with the cold open, which Bob noted this while watching the movie. It's one of the few cold opens that is actually like fairly relevant to the movie Mm -hmm. like it's not just oh these people died before the plot like them dying is a part of the plot which is so nice that it has good follow-through like that Um, but the cold open is some kids are hiking and they see this government facility and they're like wow (laughs) there's this sign that says military testing site (laughs) yeah restricted area do not enter and they go you know what Let's enter. Let's go in there. That looks cool. So they go into the restricted government military testing site, a classic blunder. And oh, what wh- what do you know? There's a pool in here, filled with water. Let's go swimming. Let's go swimming. And they die because there's prana. Yep. In the in the pool in the military testing site. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I I guess what I'm going to say here is um play stupid games. Win stupid prizes. Yep, because um, I don't feel bad for them. That's just kind of what happens. I I feel bad for them because you know they didn't deserve to be eaten alive by piranhas. No one does,
0: but no, they were stupid fair. for
1: doing that. No, yeah, natural consequences. Sure, it sucks that they were eaten alive by piranhas. That was there's no way you go into this situation going I'm I that's a risk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but however, going into a military testing site. Yeah finding a pool of definitely not, like, clean water. No, definitely gross water. It wasn't gross. It just looked, like, murky. Yeah. But, again, I'd look at that water go, huh, military testing site, that's probably bad for me. Yeah, <laughs> probably not great. But anyways, they die. And so the there's, like, a jump, probably, like, a day or two. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's probably more than that, probably, like, a week. I would say it's probably, like, a week, yeah. And we pick off with this lady. Do you remember her name? (laughs) I know her last name or at least how to spell it, but I can't pronounce it. You know, it's really bad if you don't know their names. Is that McKeon? Okay, we're going to call her Maggie. That's her first name. Uh, Her name was Maggie. They must not say her name a lot. They must not because I know the Grogster's name. Grogan. Grogan. Well, you know that. Maggie is a... I think she's like a P.I. Yeah. But she doesn't call herself a PI. She says no. she's in, like, the skips business. Yeah, I don't know what Weird term means. I've never heard before. But basically, she finds missing people. Yep. Okay, I think she's basically a PI. That's my interpretation Assumedly, of she doesn't specialize in missing people, because that would be almost too much like a police officer. <laughs> I don't know. It is 1978. I guess. Anyways, uh, she's been assigned the case to track down these missing teens, because they were supposed to go hiking, and who knows. So she flies out, because I, I don't know where she's from. I'm going to say Houston, because this is all set in Texas, and mm-hmm. we know she's from the city. Um, But she flies out. She gets a Jeep, which she does not know how to drive. <laughs> I don't think many people in this film actually know how to drive. N- that's fair. But she does not know how to drive on a gravel road, because I there is maybe 30 seconds of watching this lady drive in this movie. And it is the most stressful thing I've ever seen. She's a fucking maniac. There are a couple scenes where I think that Jeep almost flips. Like, not even as a part of the movie, it looks like the actual Jeep is about to flip because they were like, all right, we got to make this look like crazy driving. And they hit, like, big rocks. Yeah. And in fact, she, she drives it so recklos- recklessly she overheats the engine. <laughs> and I just want to note this. Uh, She then pries the engine, like, uh, not the engine, the hood, hood of the car up, and she throws it. At the front of the car. And it's an old Jeep, so it's a lot more uh, square mm-hmm. than modern Jeeps. And the hood hits the top of the, the Jeep, windshield right where the windshield is. And I think they must have done this take at least twice. Because if you look really closely at the film, especially if you're watching in, like, HD or something, there is a impact mark and a <laughs> crack in the windshield right where the car's hood would have hit the top of the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. Because assumedly... It was caused from shooting this scene. But she's going up the mountain, and then we cut over to our other character, who is Paul. And um, Paul's a drunk who lives on the mountain. That's basically all you need to know about his character. Well, with a kid. A drunk mountain man with a child. Okay. Well, drunk mountain man Paul. And she breaks into his home. She doesn't break in. She knocks. He says, come in. She was already in the house at that point. No! You watch her open the door. I know, but I think she was already in. Like, I think she was already walking in, and he says, come in. I don't think he says come in. I think he says like, yeah. No, he says it's open. Okay. Anyway, she walks into his house uh, and then starts snooping around in his house while he's eating dinner. Now that's fair. She shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> and she's like, I'm looking for these kids. You wouldn't know where they are. And he's like, No. <laughs> Why would I? And eventually, he tells her about this the military facility that's mm-hmm. supposed to be abandoned up on the hill. And she's just like, You're gonna show me. He's like, no, I'm not, and then it cuts to him showing her, which kind of weird. I, I legitimately don't know why he went along with it. I don't know either. Like As as an aside, I don't know what motivation Paul has to have taken her is, up there. It's not well established because, assumingly, she just kept bugging him, but even then it's a little iffy. Anyways, they go up to the facility. While they're there, they kind of figure out the kids had been there. Yeah, they, they th- find their stuff. Well, yeah, they find some of it. And they get the genius idea to drain the pool into the river. Mm -hmm. Because they find some of their clothes, like, up on the thing, so they assume they got in the water. And so they drain the the pool into the river and, of course, release all the piranha Mm -hmm. into this river uh, that goes to a big dam where there's a resort and stuff. There is a summer camp on the river! There's a summer camp. And actually, a good portion of the movie is in the summer camp. Uh, Because that's where Paul's kid is in this movie. And, um... Then, assumedly, the dammed-off area drains into the ocean. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is pretty close to the coast, it seems. Probably. Probably, like, it just... Texas is, like, not that far from the ocean. Depends on what part of Texas you're in. Yeah, Texas is pretty big, Because Texas is ginormous. Yep. Anyways, so a lot of the film from, like, after draining the pool, is like, trying to stop the piranha from getting into the big dam section. Yeah. Or reaching, like, the camp. Um, so that's the movie, like uh, overall broad strokes, mm-hmm. and so I think we're gonna get into like actually maybe discussing some positives of this film, some negatives. So spoilers ahead, as always. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna need like a spoiler section. No, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, if you couldn't get to guess this, the piranha gradually make their way down into the big damn section. Yeah, I've damn the lake. Mm-hmm. There's no real big spoiler, spoiler thing. about I think that we need to talk about. That's like the point of the film. So anyways, right off the bat, I think the thing we need to talk about with this film that I think is really, really good and makes the film worth a watch is practical effects. Yeah. They're fun. The piranhas themselves actually look really cool. and <laughs> They are 100% uh, some rubber piranhas on, like, wires being rapidly, like, jerked back and forth. Yeah, but it's cool because of the way they frame most of the shots. Exactly. It's... You know, we we talked. It's it's New World Mm -hmm. Pictures, and they know how to make low budget monster movies, and they use their tricks to their to uh, their advantage. I mean, I genuinely so much. They look so much better than I expected them to. Oh yeah, for like objectively, I can look at the the piranhas in this film and go, those are super cheap. Yeah, but they look pretty good. Yeah, for knowingly probably being pretty low budget and Mm -hmm. easy to do, and so right off the bat, I wanted to mention that. But also just, like, the effects on, like, some of the gore and stuff is mm-hmm. also really good. There is one character. It's my favorite character. Yeah. Jack. He's just a drunk old mountain man. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he's the evolution of Paul. But a lot more happy with his life. Well, yeah. And, spoilers again, guys, he does die very early on in the film. Oh, yeah. But uh, he probably has one of the most brutal, like, wound reveals. Mm-hmm. And it looks really good. It looks really, really good. And I, in fact, have, like, an issue with that one scene because it's it's so good yeah. and so early on in the film that basically every other character who we see wounded is lacking in comparison. Because you've, like, I mean, that is, like, the pinnacle of what a piranha could do to a man. Things have been stripped from the body. Yeah. And boilers, I guess. But there are a lot of people in this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They get attacked by the piranhas. Lots of bodies, which is great to see. Yeah. None of them look nearly as good as Jack. It's just flesh wounds. It's just flesh wounds and stuff. Which are cool, and it's nice. It's cool, but it... Uh, We were discussing this during the movie, so I I don't know if we'll touch on it for too long, but it's kind of frustrating in that the damage the piranhas can do doesn't seem to line up or Mm -hmm. stay level. Like, there's a couple characters who just very clearly will die immediately in a feeding frenzy. But there'll be these big attack sequences and there'll be like a bunch of people who walk out of the water completely fine or just with like a couple, what essentially look like surface scrapes Mm -hmm. where the piranhas have just bitten off a layer of skin. And obviously there's the whole thing with Jack at the beginning. And it's just like, well, it's disappointing to not see some super, super intense, like these piranhas stripped all the flesh from the bone Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the film. I think it's more frustrating the fact that it's not all the same like if everyone just had these flesh wounds i don't think i'd mind but the fact that some people get like immediately devoured Mm -hmm. while other people right next to them are completely fine is just kind of i don't know frustrating yeah and i think the big thing for me is like the movie starts with that whole jack thing and it's way up here like that is that is something that it's like at a 10 it's like at a 10 and it makes the piranhas feel scary like really scary because it's like oh my god they could do that to people So it's really disappointing when we get to the scenes with a bunch of people where it's like, oh, because I'll be honest, there are some some people that get pretty annihilated and you get to see their bodies after. Yeah. But none of them are at that same level. So it's just like, because we started up here, going any further down just kind of feels bad. Right. Because you want a progression and not a regression. And at the end of the day, I don't think I can be too mad at the film because what it comes down to is like logistics and money. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, logistically, it's hard to frame a lot of, like, pretty insane gore effects because it requires a lot of makeup, but sometimes just, like, weird camera angles. Yeah. Because, like, if you have someone who's, like, missing all the flesh from their arm, you have to, like, show the bone but not their whole body. And so there's a lot of issues shooting some pretty intense, like, wounds and stuff that I'd Mm -hmm. want from this film. Um, So I can understand not having that for a lot of these sequences. And then Money's the other one. You have a lot of people in this film getting attacked, which is, Mm -hmm. again, nice to see because, you know, uh, I have to compare this film to Jaws because it's kind of a Jaws ripoff. Yeah. And, you know, to see multiple people getting attacked like this at a lot faster rate is Mm -hmm. really nice, but it's expensive to, like, do makeup and stuff for all of them. Yeah. Point being is, well, I can be frustrated that, like, it feels like a downgrade and what the Piranhas can do throughout the movie. I can't be mad at the film because it, it feels like the film did its best. They, I mean, they. I'm going to be honest, they re- literally probably did the best they could with the budget they had and the stuff they had at the time. Yeah. Like, hats off to them, because, to be honest, if they didn't do as well as they did, this movie would not be as interesting. Yeah, and I mean, uh, in a similar vein, this film could have just been all, the person gets pulled under the water, and there's a blood. red blood yeah. cloud, um, and it's not. It shows, like, actual people coming mm-hmm. out of the water and stuff like that. And so they they really did go that extra step. Yeah, and... um. While we're on it, while we're talking about piranhas and their practicals, one of the coolest parts of this film is we get to actually go under the water and see the piranhas attack people and bite people. And, like, the actual, like, bites and stuff aren't amazing, but you do get to see, like, hunks of flesh float off into the water and, like, blood. There's lots of really, really cool stuff like that. No, yeah, there's a lot of cool underwater sequences. And Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know how, how many people who listen to this podcast are really into, like, film stuff. But from a film angle, that's really cool because they had to use an underwater film camera mm-hmm. to get those sh- scenes, and I, I don't think that's someone... its I don't think that's something people think about a lot, but, like, underwater cameras have always been very expensive. Yeah, it's only getting to nowadays where stuff like that is cheaper, but even nowadays, like, a true underwater camera is kind of more difficult to get your hands on, but back in the day when you had film cameras, they were extra expensive, and they were usually, like, they had to be slightly smaller, so you could use them underwater and stuff like that with diving, and to... So to get as many sequences as we do with a camera like that is just impressive. And yeah. What I think is really interesting, though, is you can tell the sequences that are shot like completely underwater are done with a different camera than the the one they use for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Because, A, there's some color differences, but also the border of the screen for the film is different. Um, so they probably switched to a different like film diameter. Yeah. So the film was probably shot in, what, like 32 millimeter or something like that, and... I don't think it's eight millimeter, but it it might be eight or sixteen for the underwater shots. Mm-hmm. They look really good. I'm just no, they do look really good. And that's what's so impressive thing. is like, I'm gonna be honest. I expected some underwater stuff, but the amount of underwater stuff in this film is it's so much. No, yeah, I think there might be more underwater sequences in this film than Jaws. Yeah, and it's really really cool because that's part of what makes the piranha so scary. You get Piranha POV stuff. You get Piranha POV stuff, and it's really cool. It's almost, like, Slasher-esque. Because you just, like, watch Piranha, like, dun 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 Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're doing the whole Jaws thing, and Jaws does do that, too. Yeah. I do want to mention, since we're talking about the Piranha POV, the Piranhas make a sound in this movie. (laughs) It's so weird. I I don't know if I can describe it. It's like a weird synthetic sound. (laughs) I'm just going to call it synthetic swarming effects. Yeah. It's very funny. It's, because. They're like, what? What sound does a fish make, guys? What and sound does a fish one. make? It's iconic, I guess. Yeah, like you hear it in the film and you know it, but I can't be like, ah, that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to mention it because it's, it's always funny to see fish make sounds. Like in Jaws, the shark roars. That's yeah, and that's a that's a thing in Hollywood now. Jaws, sharks roar. They don't in real life, but in movies, why not? Okay, aside from the practical effects and stuff. I, I think a lot of the, the framing for stuff is pretty good. Oh, man, I think the cinematography of this film is great. It's pretty decent. I don't think there's any shots where I'm like, wow, that looks super beautiful. But overall... It's not beautiful, but it's just cool. Yeah, overall, it's competent. I also think a lot of the, the characters are decently written and acted. Oh, yeah, I think a lot of the characters are pretty well done. And, I, I mean, Bob was laughing at some lines. So there's, <laughs> there's some funny stuff in this film. In fact, I, I do want to mention the character right now that just kind of reminds me of Bob. Jesus Christ. But if he was 20 years older and an asshole that ran a summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was very specifically. It was Dumont. Dumont. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul Bartel is the actor uh, who plays uh, Mr. Dumont. But he is like, I assumedly the owner of this summer camp Mm -hmm. where Paul's kid goes. And he is like, a rejected drill sergeant to these 10-year-old <laughs> kids. It's really funny. And it is really funny because he's just an asshole for no reason. He's always yelling at Paul's kid going, Grogan? Yeah, and he specifically seems to hate Paul's kid. Like, he, there's one sequence where he's just walking down to the water at night and he just randomly screams at <laughs> Grogan. She's not <laughs> even it's not on even screen. It's, it's really, really funny. And I think this movie has to leverage some of the characters being funny because this is an absurd premise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, if you were to take this, like, it's quote-unquote serious, but it's not... No, unlike Jaws, which is kind of grounded in reality, I mean, like, rogue sharks aren't a real thing, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of grounded in reality. This one's, like, straight up has a basis in sci-fi, which we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. That's cool. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and I think the humor really helps... Get us through the slow parts of this movie. Yeah. Because when the piranhas aren't on screen, because they can't be on screen all the time. Yeah. It's kind of slow. But the humor and stuff really makes it watchable. Because this isn't like Jaws. It's not like an amazing masterpiece that can like keep you just as interested when the shark's not on screen as when it is. And so the comedy kind of covers its ass then. Mm-hmm. I think moving on, we can go talk about the sci-fi element here. Oh, man. that's probably one of my favorite parts of this movie. I think it might be my favorite part of this movie is kind of the explanation behind this military base. Yeah. Just because I think it's a cool way to work in, hey, why do these insane monster piranha exist? Uh, But also, let's just add some fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But the idea here is this military base is quote-unquote abandoned. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to mention it right now. There's a guy who still works there called Dr. Hoke. Mm -hmm. And so allegedly the, the base is abandoned. That's what they've told the public. But logistically speaking... There's someone still there, and there's power there. Yeah. The government definitely knows that someone's still there. Um, so it's definitely still being operated, just on a skeleton crew, essentially. Of one man. Yeah. They basically abandoned the project, which makes sense why you tell people there's no one there, because there's no guards. But Yeah. I, it's still technically operational, I think. But um, he's basically our insert mad scientist here. But he's basically worked on, they call it, what, Project Razor Teeth? Yeah, good name. Good name. But long story short, apparently the U.S. government during, was it, the Vietnamese War? Vietnam, Vietnam, baby. I don't know why I called totally it Totally makes War. sense, by the way. Oh, yeah. Good uh, current events thing for when this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, but during the Vietnam War, they decided to create a biological weapon to basically kill the North Vietnamese. Yeah, by filling the rivers with insanely deadly piranhas. I'm not going to say it was maybe a well-thought-out plan. No, but it was a plan. Because- logistically it's a nightmare and also there's nothing to keep the piranhas from going south yeah or anywhere else mm-hmm. but long story short they wanted to make very rapid breeding piranhas that could survive in both warm and cold waters mm-hmm. so that they could just eat everyone who f- hops in the water yep indiscriminately probably including US soldiers including them <laughs> for sure <laughs> and you know long story short after the war was ended they shut the project down for the most part Except well, no, th- I don't even think they got to use it. I think the dude was like, we had a blank check, and then the war ended. No, that's what I meant. Like, once oh, yeah, the war okay. ended, they stopped giving the money and stuff. Yeah. They were like closed down. And I mean, I think Dr. Hoke continued it on his own. On his own. But again, I think they had to have known he was still there. I mean, yeah. Straight up. The government probably wouldn't just leave a pool full of mega deadly piranhas unchecked. I think they mentioned they tried to kill them all, but then some of them survived. Yeah. And now they're immune to poison. Mm-hmm. Uh,. <laughs> Which is a whole separate thing. A whole separate thing. And the, it's it's implied like it's all poison, which is also kind of stupid. But yeah, Dr. Hoax stays behind and he keeps working with them and keeps making them better. Yeah, because, because he says, there's so much more I can do with this species. Just, just mad scientist bullshit. Which, I mean, that's kind of cool. And it makes it makes sense as a character thing. And I the biggest one I want to mention now is they can also survive both in fresh and salt water. Yeah. Which makes the fact that they're swimming towards the ocean scarier pretty bad because those things get into the ocean it's sequel over. bait <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's over baby but yeah that's the sci-fi elements mm-hmm. but one of the things that they they do to make the military base seem even more sci-fi is they have some stop-motion monsters and stuff just in jars it's so cool there is two weird piranha monsters one of them's a weird worm thing and the other one's like a little a little guy he's a little guy it look really cool. I just they wanted look to mention really that. awesome. I also like part of that entire like sequence there at the beginning when they're exploring the military base before they meet Hoke, and what I think makes him such a cool character in my mind is how they design his lab and like the setup for them discovering him because it looks like something straight out of a sci-fi film. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, to be honest, they've made a lot of films like this at this point, so they just were like, all right, get all this stuff for the meds." Science lab out of storage. But it looks really good. No, it does. And, I mean, that's just what you can accomplish if you work in the same industry. And so even if you're on, a, like, a, a low budget, you can mm-hmm. you already have all this stuff. And also, so while we're on the topic of settings, everything in this film looks good. Yeah. Like, setting-wise. It all makes sense. It'll no, there's nothing out of the ordinary. Like, the summer camp looks good. There's a part where they're at a police station. All that stuff looks good. I think the only stuff that doesn't look good setting-wise is... There's one scene where there's, like, some underwater sets, and they look a lot more fake than the rest of the movie. And it stands out because of how real everything else in the film looks. That's fair. No, that's fair. All the resort stuff looks nice. Yeah, I think it's, like, an actual marina. Yeah. No, like, they did a really good job at, like, picking a location and going full hard, like, this is where we are, and it's real, and we're making it work. And it looks really nice. You know why? Why? Because it's cheaper to use real places mm-hmm. <laughs> than make your own sets. But the fact that it's like all real, just it adds to the grounding of the situation that we're experiencing, especially when we see it filled with people and yeah. they're all freaking out. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have anything else positive to mention about this film? Because I, I do want to mention, I think, two big issues I have. I like the music. You do? The music is fun. Uh, there's nothing in particular about it, but I just think the music worked well with the rest of the film. Okay, fair enough. I, I there's nothing stand out about it for me. So, there's nothing stand out, but it's like it's. I'm glad you at least liked it. There are some films where the music doesn't help, and in this film, the music doesn't hurt. It's <laughs> so, better than nothing. Exactly. <laughs> there's that weird prana sound effect. That's probably the best part. It is probably the best part. It's super good. It's so fun. Okay. You name. have gripes. I have gripes. In fact, I th- I think I have two two major gripes with this film. Okay. I'll hear you out. The first one is kind of an issue I have throughout the film. And that's the fact that this is a water movie, right? Yeah. Piranhas are stuck in this lake and this river and whatever. They're, They're fish, right? And because of that, it means every time we need a horror thing in this movie, it has to happen in the water. And for, you know, kind of a bee monster movie, as an audience, we know we want a lot of the monster. A monster. That's what we're here for. This isn't fine art. This is this is piranha. And um that's all well and good, but it does mean that the plot needs to force our main characters to Into be the in the water. Be in the water. And just a minor gripe with that is it doesn't always make sense, I think, for our characters to be just so in the water all the time. Yeah. I mean there's one big one that I'm thinking about near the end of the film. There is an egregious thing where there's a thing that Probably shouldn't have been underwater, it's but just it is underwater, so they can have an underwater sequence. Yep. But the the big one that stands out for me as like, hmm, I don't know about this, is the fact that the majority of this film is spent with the uh, two main characters, Paul and it's Maggie, right? Yep. Traveling down the <laughs> the water, this river from the top of the mountain, in a old style like Huckleberry Finn raft. It's like a bunch of logs bound together. Yeah. And they're specifically traveling down the water in this raft because their Jeep is ruined. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, Paul doesn't have a car. Yep. And they need to transport Dr. Hoke, who's injured, to town, Uh apparently. And so they've, like, decided that the best way to get to town is to use the river. And in part, that kind of makes sense because, like, you're transporting a wounded person, yeah, and the river is usually the fastest way to your destination. And so, you know, essentially getting into a raft and just going downstream kind of makes sense mm-hmm. in some ways. However, it is also maybe an emergency situation, and there is a a road that they could just run down because it's definitely a road downhill. And I just think, like, it's one of those things that sticks out to me as, like, I feel like we, we, got, we decided to hop into this water and this pontoon because that... Was what the plot needed. I, I will agree it is a little bit preposterous. Because, like, I get there, they wanted to get, like, Hoke to town for a doctor. That's part of why they brought him. And if you're bringing Hoke with you, you need to, like, have transportation. Because he can't walk because he's fucked up. And if you had to build, like, a stretcher, that would have taken longer mm-hmm. dragging it than it would um, going down river. But I honestly think, because they, they are going down this river slow. I was looking at it. This is the calmest river I've ever seen. There is no current. <laughs> they don't have paddles for this pontoon. They have large sticks that they're using to, like, push it. Push it. And so they are going really slow. In fact, they are going so slow down this river that I think walking down the mountain would have been faster. And so it's, it's just one of those things, like, I, th- <laughs> I think they would have made better time leaving Hoke at uh, Paul's Cabin. And just walking down the mountain, and then getting a ride back with a hosp- from the hospital, and then or getting a, a ride back with like a sheriff or somebody. Somebody. I mean, yeah. Especially because like you could get maybe part way down the mountain and see someone and flag them down. I understand that, but it, it's it's not a big deal overall. Yeah. I Think, but it's just like an an example of like, oh, we need to force characters to be in the water. No, and uh, and there's there's that makes just sense. a lot of that throughout the film. Like at one point there's some military people that come up and help the situation and they think they've handled the situation but then proceed to get in the water. Yeah. And it's just like, no normal person would do that even if you think you've handled no. the situation. No, at least for a while. Like a long time to where you know there's nothing that could have possibly gone wrong. Yeah. Point being is basically this film never leaves the water and I get why. It's because you always need the piranha there, but... They could have given us better excuses for the people being in the water. It, yeah. it it's It's not like a big deal overall. I th- I think most of the time... It works. It works, and it might just be that I'm pickier, because this is, like, a secondary third watch for me. Mm-hmm. No, and that's fair. But I-, I will mention, it doesn't always make the most sense. Not always. It's sometimes a little egregious. So that's just, like, a minor thing. But, my big gripe with this film is that the setup for events of the Piranha getting to- into the water makes both Paul and Maggie, at least for me, and some of the other people I've watched this with, not Bob, but other people, kind of unlikable, at least for the first half of the movie. After a while, it's fine. I don't care anymore. You kind of get over it. But in this film, our main characters break into this military testing ground and then release the piranha into the river. And, you know, obviously, there's no way you would know piranha in this pool. No. And so there's no way you you would know beforehand you just drained piranha. No. Into a river. Because that would be preposterous. It would be ridiculous. But they did knowingly drain water at a military testing site, which is, I mean, you can take a guess, it's probably weapons testing, into what is also probably the drinking water for your town. And that is just kind of stupid. And to make matters worse, when they do so, they then assault the guy working there when he tries to stop them from draining the pool. Yeah. And- I think there's some implication that they think this guy is responsible for maybe the death of these two teenagers they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But also, you broke into federal property and then assaulted, assumedly, a federal employee. Well, it's just the it's, federal employee thing. I don't know. He could have just been some man squatting there. Doesn't matter. You broke into federal property. Like this place is still chained up, and there's a guy there. Yeah, who he does look like he works there, and the lab's still going. There's still power. There's still, there's a live bunny rabbit in a cage. Yeah. Like, this is very clearly, Paul thinks it's abandoned, but they get there, and it's, like, very active. Very obviously, there's people working here. And the one guy who's like, hey, don't drain that pool, they then club over the head yeah. uh, with a, I don't know, I'd assume, what what metal? Aluminum flask, like a thick aluminum flask, yeah. hard enough to dent it, mm-hmm. causing internal <laughs> bleeding in his skull. And I, I don't know, It's it's one of those those issues I have with the film where the the main characters cause the problem. Yeah. And I think that's a fun way to start a, a, a plot is to have your main character start a problem because then they feel obligated to solve it. Yeah. But my, my issue here is they were doing bad things, but like knowingly doing wrong things when they accidentally caused the problem, which makes it seem less forgivable. And then after causing the problem and, clubbing this guy over the head, they proceed to kidnap him and then go, Everything that happened that's bad is not our own fault. It's yours <laughs> to their kidnapped person. No, that's fair. I guess what I'm trying to say is like I know Bob you didn't really agree with me while watching the film. No, in and the I, moment. I think I still don't agree. Well, okay, here's my here's my thing. I, I get why they're unlikable for that reason. But my thing is, A, they didn't know there were Pranas in there. But B, and this is my big thing, Maggie was just trying to do her job and do what she was trying to do. And in her process of mind, she's going, I'm doing like the thing. They looks like they got in this pool. I'm going to drain the pool to try and find these people. Well, she also broke into federal property. You're you're really stuck up on the whole breaking into federal property. It's thing. a big deal, Bob. <laughs> it a, is a big it's deal. It's a big deal, Bob. <laughs> but like <laughs> And I it's like it's like blowing up a school bus and going like, I didn't think there was kids in there. It should be fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know? I guess my, my thing is, our main characters do some shitty stuff at the beginning of this film, and then they're not repentant about it until that plot point is shelved to just deal with the Piranha film, or the Piranha problem for the rest of the film. And so, long story short, I at least for me, especially on uh, rewatch, makes the beginning of this film just kind of annoying. Because I, it's frustrating to watch the characters do stupid things. But they're only stupid things because you know where what's happening? Well, no, the stupid thing is breaking into federal property and then releasing the pool water. I guess I would prefer it. Like, the, the simple thing that would have made this situation much better is if instead of, like, a military testing ground, this was just some random mad scientist house mm. would have solved the issue entirely. So you, you're you just stuck up on the moral <laughs> dilemma of breaking into federal property. No, it's not the moral dilemma. It's the, this is a bad idea, and everything we do here is a bad idea because this is a, probably a weapons testing area, and we should be really careful, and then going in and not being very careful mm. and acting like, because they, when they drain the pool, they act like, oh, we're just draining a swimming pool, and not like, oh, we're draining a swimming pool In a military testing ground. Those are two different things. Because one is just whatever, and then the other's like, oh, there's probably something bad here. And you can give an excuse that Maggie's an out-of-towner and also doing a job that she's being paid for. Um, But Paul definitely knew. Because he even says, yeah, the pool probably just drains into the river. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I guess maybe my other thing is, like, they probably just don't have the forethought to think about that. You know what I mean? Like, Because they're just in the moment like, all right, let's explore this place, try and find these people. I guess. But then it's their behavior afterwards that's kind of No, yeah, and that's totally inexcusable because after they drain the pool and hoax, like, you release these managing piranhas in the water, like, it's your fault! That's stupid. I think that also makes the beginning worse because it's just like, I don't like this, but I could get over it. But then it's their behavior about the events that's just kind of... Yeah. Not great. Point being, though, it's like, I think I'm only stuck on these issues with these two main characters for the first, like, 30 minutes, an hour of the film. Like, the basically the first half. Yeah. And then once they actually start dealing with the piranha issue, how it was caused is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And therefore, my issues with them is no longer relevant. Well, and my issues with them go away immediately because they're actually trying to fix it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you caused the problem, you are going to fix it. Okay. Basically, once Dr. Hoke disappears and they stop being kidnappers, they're a little less bad. <laughs> Alright, I, I just wanted to mention that because, like, it is, the I think, the roughest part of this movie. Yeah, and honestly, first watch, I didn't think it was that rough. It's a little bit more rough in hindsight. I mean, fair enough. Most things are. They do bad things. <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't really have much more to talk about here, so I guess we can do recommendations if you're okay with that. Yeah, I don't really have a lot more to say about this film either. Except for the fact that it's, like, I'll, I'll talk about that in ratings. Uh, Go ahead. Give your recommendation. If you... One, uh, a scary water movie, and specifically a scary water movie where, like, you get a lot of underwater stuff. I There's a lot of underwater stuff in this film, and I actually really liked it. It was very surprising. I thought it was really cool. If the concept of jaws but small sounds interesting to you, very much that. Ben but was not <laughs> wrong. Multiple of them. Yeah, multiple small jaws. Because that, that's the big thing. It's not just one creature. Mm-hmm. It's a ton. Yeah. You I
0: not can don't just know. leave it at that. I don't
1: know if I have any more, man. Okay. I think my big recommendation for me is if you want, like, a monster movie set in the water that isn't just, like, sharks or some other assorted large killer creature, but is in fact something smaller and that attacks in a swarm. Yeah. This is kind of cool. It's also not in the ocean, which is also really interesting. No, that is really cool. A lot of, you know, water-related horror movies are the ocean because it's the ocean. It's the ocean. And it's a lot more untamed and scarier than just a river because guess what guys you can just get out of the river you don't need to stay in it if yep. there's killer things in the water you just move yourself 10 feet to the left and you hop out kind of defeats the the horror but you know if that's that's something that sounds interesting to you that's probably the biggest recommendation here aside from that if you want something that's like heavy on practical effects for like a monster movie and is also from like very distinctly feels like it's from the 70s, it's probably right up your alley. And I, I think that's just a good lead into my last recommendation of if you're looking for a, you know, New World Productions film, you aren't really familiar with them, you want to check them out, I think this is a decent place to start. It's probably not my favorite film by them, but it's, you know, it's a fun Roger Corman-associated film, so you can check it out for that reason. Oh, and there's a summer camp in it, I guess. Yeah, if you want to be, we talked about that, cheesy like me and be like, It's totally a summer camp, guys. I'm not as mad because the summer camp was much more plot relevant than I anticipated. No, it is. But this is like the least summer camp summer camp movie possible. But a lot of my highlights from this film all come from the summer camp. Yeah. Because Mr. Dumont is so funny. (laughs) He's so funny. All right, Bob, you want to rate it? Okay, I like this film. I've said that quite a few times. But I will admit it has problems. And also, it's not like fine art, nor is it bad. But it does have that B movie quality to it that I oh one hundred percent love, and you know that about me. So I'm sitting in kind of a weird spot because I could give this a fairly high rating, but I know that it is not amazing. <laughs> that's an understatement. But I like this. But I like it. That's see. That's where I'm sitting, is that I'm a weird spot. But I think I'll give it three and a half. I think I'm giving that extra half point mostly because I was so impressed by all the underwater stuff. In all of the the way they dealt with like the practical piranha stuff, I just think all that stuff is so cool. Three because it meets expectations. It is a piranha film. Yeah. Where piranhas eat people. No, as, as long as say a piranhas eating people, especially in the quantity we see, a yeah. three is a given. G- yeah. But I'm gonna give it the half point for all that all that stuff. Plus, that stuff at the beginning in Hoax Lab is so fucking cool. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily fit the rest of the film. No, but, but it's but I'm glad so it's there. Awesome. It like, I think we got some outtakes from it. It's one of my favorite parts of this film. <laughs> Bob sees the little guy. And he's like, "Is he gonna be in the rest of the movie?" I was like, "Please let the little guy <laughs> like, be plot relevant." No, he's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a little guy. I love him. Uh, is there any specific reason you're not giving it a four, though? I we didn't really. I just it's it's mostly the fact that and we talked about this. The Jack practical is it a ten? and then you don't get to... Dis- I just want more just people getting annihilated. So just a little bit of disappointment there. Yeah, that's my that's my only thing that's really keep me from giving a four. I don't think I could ever give a film like this a five unless it did something super creative with the premise. Oh, yeah. And this film was pretty bog standard in terms of premise. It's like piranhas eat people in water swarming fish. Fair. Not that creative, not really able to get a higher rating than that for me. All right, for me, I- I'm just going to say this right now. I'm going to give it a three and a half, two. And I, I think my reasoning is kind of similar. Like I don't think I can go above a four because at the end of the day, not only is this film not super unique, again, it's just killer fish, um, but it's also very, very, very clearly a play off the the Jaws kind of storyline. Yeah, where it's basically a guy learns about a problem, tells people there's well, a in this problem. situation, the guy creates the problem. Well, that that's true too. He he learns about a problem, informs people in higher power there's an issue, is denied. The problem breaks out and ends up, like, very publicly being an issue, and then he saves the day. Mm-hmm. That is the Jaws formula right there, and this film follows it to a T. So, you know, not super creative, and I, I don't think I can give it, you know, above a four for that reason. And like we said, it, it meets the three, because, like, obviously, we get to see a bunch of piranhas tearing people apart, and we get to see it multiple times, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on top of just succeeding there, it also has a bunch of things that are just really well done. I think the practical effects, while limited at times, are very well done. There's some great underwater shots, a good amount of funny lines. There are some stunts that we hadn't even touched on that are just absurd. Decent acting overall, even from some of the kids. Yeah, overall, a lot of good stuff in this film. But there's a couple issues that are really keeping me from giving it a four and only giving it a three and a half. What they really come down to is... A, some of my issues with that opening, I I know that's a personal preference for me, so I'm not really gonna take away mo- a lot of points with it. But I, I I think kind of the the biggest issue here is it just feels, I don't know how do I say this, low stakes. Oh yeah, no, that's totally fair, and that's something we didn't really touch on. But yeah, but I think that's because, and I'm gonna go back to it, we don't see anyone just get devoured like we do the like we do Jack. And I and yeah, I think part of that is related to the fact that. There's some weird incongruity with like how dangerous these piranhas are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also the fact that we are in a river for most of the film and a lake. You can just get out of the water very easily. Mm -hmm. And being in the water is always optional. Like the piranhas get the most of their kills when they surprise people. Yeah. And even then people get out of the water really fast. And so again, the whole film seems very low stakes. And it's just kind of also super straightforward. Like the whole film was very plotted, kind of like a train on a track. Like you know what's gonna happen and when. And again, that lowers the stakes a lot. And so I think for a horror movie, and especially one with the amount of gore it has, it's just not as successful in the shock and the horror value because Cause there's of that. no shock because it's yeah. like ah yes, they're in the water, they're going to get eaten by piranhas, and it's not a surprise either. It's not like no. Again, I I I go back to Jaws because hey, great water monster movie, but also it's what this film is kind of inspired by but there's a lot of sequences where you don't know who's going to die or if the shark's going to get this person or that person and you can do that knowing the shark's there but this film just doesn't pull it off with the piranha in -hmm. the same way okay uh, on that note I guess we're going to go to the outtakes now yeah we'll uh, see you guys in a minute Hello everybody, welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Boy of the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Piranha so far. I like this film, I think it's super fun and very interesting. But, if you do not want any spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to 1 hour, 17 minutes, and 55 seconds immediately. This first clip is me realizing I may have misjudged a few things before the start of the film. Oh, I'm way more scared than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. I was like, why didn't you think this was going to be scary, Bob? It's an oce- It's like water you can't see the bottom of. This next clip is my reaction to one of the cold open kills. I hate that. That is awful. Bob's like, I reconsider my opinion. Oh, my God. Ah! I don't like seeing it. Okay. Just, yeah. Thank you for getting drunk into the water. Also, because they're smaller, they can be in smaller bodies of water, like a a pool. This next clip is our reaction to seeing Dr. Hoax Lab for the very first time. This looks real cool, though. No, it does. Oh, what the fuck is that? I thought this movie was about piranhas. There's a weird fish thing. That looks so cool. Yeah, full stop motion.
0: Whoa.
1: This this is is a cool movie. Part of the the fun of, like, big, like, low-budget production companies, like what New Line was, or New World, is they had all these props already, so it was really cheap to put together like a, a mad scientist scene like this. This next clip is our reaction to seeing what the piranhas did to Jack. Oh man! That's brutal, man. Just seeing his feet, no flesh, bone. God bless, That's fucked. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements? Ben? Nope. You always say no, but we always do. It's not an announcement. It's just the spiel. So no announcements. Uh, Our spiel, though, is Friday the 13th episodes are coming out. There's one that comes out tomorrow and then one that comes out on Wednesday. So Saturday and Wednesdays until we're done with the series. So that's six weeks. Yeah, probably. Aside from that, you know, Friday episodes as usual. Outside of that, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, some other interweb places. One of those is YouTube, which is kind of nice because we can see your interactions there. That means likes, subscriptions, and even your comments, which is really cool because that's one of the two places you can communicate with us at. Uh, You can do that in, like, our videos. Comment down there. Or you can go yell at Bob at, at Beware the Board and tell him it's all his fault that you freed some piranhas. <laughs> it's all my... Oh, no! <laughs> it's all my fault that all these piranhas got out. Like Ben said, you can check us out at Twitter, on Twitter, at Beware the Board. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if you want to know anything about the show, check us out there. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal so you can see what it is, so you can watch the movie before we do. So whenever you listen to the episode, you don't get any spoilers. Or when we're really being really vague about stuff, you kind of know what we're talking about. Then on Fridays, or whenever an episode goes up, I post a link to the episode, and sometimes a meme, depending on the episode, if something was funny enough for Ben to <laughs> create something for it. So yeah. if you're interested in that, check us out on Twitter, at Last thing, check us out on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. TikTok is at and YouTube Shorts is just, you know, our normal YouTube channel. So if you're interested in short-form content, and you like the show, check us out there. We do clips from old episodes. I go back through and scrub old episodes for new content. Basically, if you're into that kind of thing, we put our content there. So check it out. I think that's it, Ben. Alright, guys. See you next time. Yeah. See you next time.